Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Today we're gonna be talking about definition of a dead man. I used to work on a ranch in South Texas called the San Pedro Ranch. It was, uh, the, there, was a, there was another kind of a famous ranch in Texas called the Faith Ranch, and it was a long, narrow ranch right along the Rio Grande on the border of Mexico, and the Faith Ranch was the only thing between our ranch and, and old Mexico. Um, I went down there, and I was the only one on the ranch that did not speak fluent Spanish, uh, including my TV. My TV did not speak English, and um, you, you learn a language really fast whenever you're immersed in it. And I had the uh, distinct pleasure and honor of working with three of the greatest cowboys that ever straddled a horse. Antonio, Tomas, and Zeferino. They were from uh, Musquis, Mexico. Just amazing, amazing cowboys. And one night we were sitting at the bunkhouse and... Um, we were sitting around telling stories, and, and my Spanish was just getting to where I could kind of conversate and uh, not make an idiot out of myself. And, and they were all laughing about a time. Antonio was kind of the, the head horse trainer, but also one of the cowboys. Uh, see, the ranch owner was a uh, polo partner of Tommy Lee Jones, and we rode uh, polo horses. We rode $100,000 polo horses through South Texas brush moving cattle. And that, that was an experience in of itself. But they were telling this story. Now, so some of you I know have seen it. I haven't seen very many of them up here in, in, in Colorado, but um, down in Texas, they're pretty prominent. You'll have a water lot, which is just a big old pen for, for cattle, and you'll have a, a concrete water trough that, oh, sits about 18 inches or so above the ground, and it's usually, you know, a couple of feet wide, and I mean, I've seen them run for, you know, 30 feet or so. And so Antonio was in that water lot, and they're getting warmed up. They're fixing to head out a gate to go move some cattle. And Antonio's horse goes to pitching. And I mean, Antonio's up there making a hand, and it's bucking right towards this water trough. And it gets to the water trough, and it turns. Well, there's cement on the side, and whenever it turned, he pulled up. And the horse rears up and falls over on top of Antonio who lands in the water trough or across the water trough. And so this horse just mashes him down. And the other cowboys, uh, they were talking about, and they said it was one of the scariest incidents that we ever saw because if you've ever seen a horse fall, they don't fall backwards and then jump up like some ninja or something. They waller all over you and you're trying to get your feet out. But the guy telling the story said, you know what, man, uh, Antonio was hit crossways, and then when the horse got up, he slid into the water trough. His head was underwater, and there was no life whatsoever. So they got over there, and they got the horse out of the way, and, and they reached down, and they grabbed Antonio, and they pulled him out, and there was nothing. And these two tough cowboys are sitting there, and they tell me, they said, we started crying that our friend had just been killed right in front of us. And he said, we're crying. And, you know, he has, uh, Antonio was a remarkable man. He, uh, he raised seven kids. He went home twice a year. 
and uh, he raised seven kids working on that South Texas ranch and put every one of them through college with the money he earned uh, working on that ranch. And they were thinking, oh my gosh, you know, his kids and his wife, and how are we going to tell them? And, you know, all of this. And, and, and he said, we, we were both crying. And all of a sudden we heard... <coughs> Like that, and they look down, and Antonio looks at them. And you had to be there. It's not going to be quite the same impact, but they're telling the story. And they said that they looked down, and they were leaning over the top of him, and they said, Antonio, we thought you was dead. And typical Antonio, he looked at them, and he said, No, amigos, I am not dead. <laughs> and he coughs up some more water because he had inhaled some water, and he goes, And I'm not thirsty either. <laughs> So I'm sitting there laughing, and I said, Antonio, what did it like to feel dead? He goes, honestly, I don't, I, he didn't remember any, he remembered the horse bucking, and he remembered the horse falling over, but he didn't even really remember waking up, and he told me, he said, but Kevin, that's what he called me, Kevin, he said, but Kevin, he said, man, he said, I hurt, my back hurt real bad. I was like, well, you think? He said, man, I wasn't able to work the rest of the day. I was like, dude, you are way too tough for your own good. There was another time that, uh, that Antonio, a horse ran off with him, and they have the big kind of majestic mesquite down there. And this was right whenever I got to South Texas. Antonio was walking a little funny, and the guy that I was with, the guy that got me the job, an ex-uncle of mine, who was, used to be married to my aunt, he said, Antonio, what's the matter with you? He said, oh, I got a little scrape on my back. I said, a little scrape, man, you're walking pretty gingerly for a, for a little scrape. And he said, yeah. And he turns around and he pulls his shirt up. And this man, you could not have cut him with a knife right down each side of his spine and just peeled the skin off of it. And he said that a horse had run away with him and it had turned and went under a mesquite and he thought he could duck low enough and it had just peeled all of the hide off of his back. And he told me the same thing. He said, man, I wasn't able to finish that day. I was like, dude, I would have finished, I'd have been finished, period. Today, we are going to talk about the definition of a dead man. Definition of a dead man. It's easy to think that Antonio was dead. You didn't see him breathing a horrendous accident and, and just as scary a horse wreck as, as there nearly can be. But there are a lot of people out there that are walking and talking and breathing. But they're dead nonetheless. Definition of a dead man. The first definition of a dead man, a quality of a dead man, is that dead men hi, uh, run from who they are. Dead men run from who they are. Those that hide who they are die from who they aren't. See, a lot of people go through life trying to suppress who God has called them to be. They, you know, they, they don't want to announce their faith if they have any at all because they're scared of what people might say. They, they hear God's call in their life and, and, and deep down inside of them, they want it. But too often, they try to suppress that. They try to hide from who God had called them to be and they try to live according to society standards. You know, they, they think that a bigger truck, a bigger house, the living court horse trailer, the, the nice horses, that all of that is going to somehow uh, be who they will represent, who they are, but it's not. That is not who God called us to be. And so many people are trying very, very, very hard to live according to this world's standards. This world's standards are inundated. You can, any commercial is going to tell you, man, all you have to do is do this or buy that, and it's going to make you happy. And nearly every single one of us here have a closet full or a garage full or a barn full of stuff that we just knew was going to make us happy, but no longer does. 
The definition of a dead man, a dead man, a dead man hides who they really are. Dead men also run their mouths a lot. Run their mouths. That's all they do is talk, 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 talk. A soul that is dead will be heard but never listened to. You know people like that. As a matter of fact, you're probably listening to a person that used to be like that, that I said a lot of the things of who I was, but my actions didn't necessarily reflect what my words said. You know, Jesus is often referred to as the Word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, Jesus' incarnation, God's incarnation, was His very Word. And there's nothing more cowboy than keeping your Word. God's Word became flesh, and it was perfection. That man was God's Word brought to life. What would happen if your Word was brought to life? I'm, I'm ashamed to say that there was a point in my life that if my Word was to become flesh, It'd, be, it'd probably look like something off of a horror movie or something. That's why it's so important to keep our word. See, dead men just run their mouths. They want to be heard, but their actions don't back up what they say they believe in. I hear people all the time say, oh, I believe in God, but their actions don't say it. Dead men run their mouths. A soul that is dead will be heard, but never listened to. The third quality of a dead man is dead men run from pain. Dead men run from pain. You would be amazed at how much of our lives is spent running away from the things that hurt us. That's why I love the cowboy culture so much because I, there's only one guarantee when you work with a uh, thousand pound animals, a couple of thousand pound animals, and you ride thousand pound animals, is that eventually something's going to happen and something's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get hurt. If you've never been bucked off on your head, you know, we always hear that old moniker, that old saying, when you get bucked off, you got to get back on. Well, that's, well, that's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> there was a time that I, uh, it was me and Ty and Sean, and I think Tara might have been out there also, and I was on, if anybody's ever seen my horse, I got a little bitty old pony, and she's not a pony, but she's not a big thing, Fiona. Uh, the wild winch of the West is like I like to refer to her, and uh Anyway, I had roped a big, big heifer, and Ty was coming in to heal it, and I had her roped, and she started pulling on me, and Fiona was pulling, and I guess I just hadn't cut Fiona in two tight enough, and all of a sudden, before I could pop my dallies, my saddle slid forward, and my horse reared up, and my entire saddle came off of my horse. This high up in the air, she's standing straight up. My saddle comes off. I've still got my dally and both feet in the stirrups whenever I hit the ground. Poof. <laughs> Ty and Sean looked over there. They didn't say anything. <laughs> and, and, and thank goodness, Fiona looks back and she's like, what just happened? Her bridle and everything was still on, so I just got up. Like, like you do every day. Like, let me go ahead and saddle back up here and everything. But, you know, getting bucked off whenever you feel pain like that or, or something happens. And I guarantee you, if you've hitting the ground hurts. Hitting the ground in a saddle hurts too. But a lot of us spend a lot of our, our lives running from pain. I mean, all that, you know, Jesus said to enter through the narrow gate. Because that's the way to life. But the problem is, standing right in front of that gate is somebody that we like to refer to as the devil or Satan. And he's got a sorting stick. 
And he's standing right in front of that gate. And whenever you walk up it to say that I believe in Christ, he goes, Dunk! and he hits us right between the eyes with it. And it's just a sword and stick. And if you've ever worked cattle, you know that you can just whack a, an old mama cow that's trying to go through a gate that she's not supposed to. And they'll turn around. Most of the time, they'll go turn around and go the other way. But at the same time, can you really stop a cow from going anywhere? No, especially with a little stick. And you know what? Christians can't be stopped either, but the devil stands in front of it, and we get up to that gate, and they go, Dunk. oh, that hurt. I'm going to the, I'm gonna go back to the crowd. I'm going to go back to the herd. And mo there's a lot of people that spend their entire lives getting right up to that gate, and at the, at, the, at the first sense of pain, they turn around and they go back the other way. I used to be one of those. Fear of life has killed more people than any other cause or malady. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you find yourself constantly worried, if you find yourself constantly at odds and, and not sure what your life and, and, and you know, there, there's depression and there's stress and all of that, that might be an indicator of that, that your relationship with God needs to be worked on more than your job or your house or your hobbies or something like that. Because the only way that you will ever be fulfilled is through Christ. And don't forget that devil is standing right there, man, and he's going to hit you with that sword and stick. I guarantee you. Because there's this thing somehow that, that we think that it, when we come to Christ that all our problems go away. That, that's not necessarily the case. Dead men run from pain. And the last quality, and this isn't all inclusive, but the last quality is, you know what? Dead men, they stay dead. They stay dead. But today, we don't honor a man that is dead. We worship a man that is alive. We like to laugh here at Save the Cowboy. One of the things that I just, it breaks my heart is for people to walk in to a service where we worship God. The God that said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We come and we worship a God and we act like that we're at a funeral. Yes, Jesus died, but only for three days. And he rose again to pave the way. He threw open that ranch gate to God's outfit and said, come all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. He's alive. He's not dead. Definition of a dead man. So what's the opposite? Today, we worship a man that did not hide who he was. He didn't hide who he was. In John chapter 18, verses 4 and 5, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Me and Tice and, and Sherry and, and, and Rick and, and Gary and, and Sandy and, and several others, we stood right there in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was, was so, he knew what was coming and he sweated drops of blood. He asked his, his pards, he said, man, will y'all just sit over here while I go and talk to my dad? Would y'all sit over here and just pray? And they fell asleep. He was tired, I reckon. He knew what was going to come. It was his last night on earth. And then they came for him. They walked in, whole armada of soldiers and other people. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. He stepped forward to meet them. He did not hide who he was. And he says, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And he, and he replied, I am he. Now, I didn't put it on here, but many of you know what happened next. When he said, I am he, the force of who Jesus was knocked everybody down. The Bible says they fell down when he says, 
I am he. Man, people think that Christianity, they, they, they don't want to be labeled that Bible thumper or that Bible beater. And, and you might have thought this before, that being a Christian, that you have to be a sissy. Is there anything sissy about a man stepping forward and not hiding who he is? And when he pronounces who he is, people fall down. There's another scripture that I just absolutely love that Jesus says, make no mistake about it, I can call down legions of angels. Man, we're talking about a man's man. Quit hiding who you are. Quit hiding your faith. Quit being worried about what other people think. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, I am he. Are you hiding who you are? Become who Jesus called you to be. And you know who he called you to be? Sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God. That's who he's called you to be. He's, who are you hiding Live the life that Jesus called you to live. Ride for God's outfit. He wants you to saddle up, saddle up and ride through that narrow ranch gate and experience a life that you will never find anywhere else. You can look all over the world. And he says, for wide is the road to destruction and many follow it, but narrow is the gate that leads to life and few find it. You look at, we've got a lot of people here, but you look at how many people are in this county. You are one of the few. You might think that you're just here for Easter. You're not. God is calling you. You are not here by accident. He's asking you to saddle up and ride for him to become who you couldn't be on your own. And don't let others, what they say, influence who God has called you to be. Today, we worship a man that didn't do a lot of talking. His actions spoke a lot louder than his words, and his words were perfect. In Luke chapter 23, verse 8 through 11, it says this, Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus. This is during his mock trial. Pilate sends him over to the king of the Jews, Herod, who was just a, he was a no-account counterfeit. But he had heard all the miracles that Jesus was doing and Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus and finally they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate mocking him. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. He knew who he was. Do you? Do we walk around just talking the talk but not walking the walk? He knew what he was supposed to do. He didn't defend himself. He didn't need to. He knew who God called him to be. Do you? You want to know the secret to becoming alive? You want to know the secret to becoming alive? We need to shut our mouths. In the book of James, it says, be doers of the word. It doesn't say be talkers of the word. It says, be doers of the word. Secret to becoming alive, shut your mouth and just start doing it. And the second thing, second secret to becoming alive is let your actions speak louder than your words. And the third secret to becoming alive is when you've mastered shutting your mouth, learn to keep it shut. There was an old saying, it's just kind of a funny story, that a person, married couple, went to... Uh, one of them therapists, and he met with them individually, and they said, one of them said, well, you know, my spouse just goes, rrr, 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 just gets mad and all this. He said, well, I'll tell you how to, how to cure that. And they said, okay, go for it. He said, when, when your spouse starts doing that, you go get you a glass of water, and you get you a drink of water, and you hold it in your mouth. And he said, and they'll shut their mouth. Oh, okay, I'll try it. So they go home and their spouse starts, rah, 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 rah. so they go and they get a drink of water and they stand right in front of them and take a drink and hold it in their mouth. And it took a little while, but finally the other person just went, well, just shut their mouth and went on. They go back to the therapist and they said, I can't believe that happened. How does that work? 
And it says it has nothing to do with the other one. It's because you were keeping your mouth shut holding the water in. You notice I didn't say husbands or wives. You <laughs> I'm alive. I ain't a dead man. The secret to becoming alive, Jesus didn't run his mouth, man. His actions spoke louder than words. And today we worship a man that didn't shy away from pain. Luke 23, 33. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. I want you to visualize something right quick. This man is beaten beyond recognition. Any normal man would have already died. Massive loss of blood. Middle of the night, no sleep, beaten, crown of thorns, piercing. And he carries his own cross a long ways. And me and Ty and, and all the rest of us that went to Israel, we walked that Via Dolorosa. And make no mistake about it, it's, it's not flat and it ain't downhill. Now, it's not, a, it's not a steep climb, but even us just walking, my calves were burning by the time we got up there. I had not been beaten or scourged. But when they went to nail him on that cross, make no mistake about it, he wasn't fighting them. When they went to stretch out his arm, he put it for them. Go ahead. When they went to crucify him, he put his feet up there for them. He knew what he didn't shy away from the pain. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. He didn't shy away from the pain. You reach true life through the pain not in the absence of it. Following Jesus doesn't make your life easier. I guarantee you. I was talking to a man last night. He said, man, you know, I've given my life to God, and it seems like ever since I gave my life, man, <laughs> my life has just gone downhill. I said, man, I know. I said, I don't say this a lot, but sometimes I want to ask people this when they say, oh, I believe in Jesus. And I'm like, really? I want to say, I'm so sorry. Tell me about what's happened to you. Because that's basically the way it is. When you stand up, you stand out. And the devil takes a bullseye on you. Your life does not become easier. Make no mistake about it. The disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can do this? And Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? That's my question for you. Are you going to leave me too? That's what Jesus is asking. He didn't shy away from the pain. See, we need to run towards our problems, run towards your pain, run towards the things that make most people quiver. And you know what you get to experience? God. Time after time in the Bible, you can read of things that happened to God. There's a, there's a story about Paul and Silas being arrested and beaten, and they're thrown in jail. And you know what they start doing? They start singing hymns. And when they start worshiping, even though they've been thrown into prison, they've been beaten, God comes in, shakes the whole place. Their chains fall off, but they don't even leave. Other prisoners start coming around wanting to know the good news. And the jailer comes in and he sees all the doors thrown wide open and all the chains off and he's nearly going to commit suicide because they're going to kill him. He goes in and finds all of them there. He becomes a believer and his whole household is saved. Don't run from your pain. And the last thing, today we worship a man that did not stay dead. He did not stay dead. Luke 24, 3 through 5. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus as they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, these were angels, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why are you looking for someone that is dead? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? See, God did not send Jesus to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. Have you felt dead? I know that I did for a long time. I lived for those brief moments of temporary joy that sustained me, and I hid who I was. I ran from pain. I didn't run towards it. 
2 Timothy 1.10. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And that good news is that Jesus has done everything for you and all you have to do is ride for him each and every day. Is it easy? No, but nothing worth it ever is. Will it make your life easier? No, it will make you stronger. You have a choice. I want everybody to bow their heads, close your eyes, and listen as I read God's word through Moses in Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. This is Moses talking. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Hey, thanks for joining us for another clinic. Before you ride off, we have a special gift for you. Save the Cowboy has a brand new app available for iPhones and Android smartphones and tablets. You never have to miss another message, and we've thrown even more stuff in. There's a Bible, our full unedited clinics, Cowboy devotionals, videos. You can even order our books or call and talk to me. That's a ton of stuff that will keep you riding right beside the Lord for years to come. Please download it by searching your app store for Save the Cowboy, and don't forget to lend us a hand if God has blessed you and you like what we're doing. Just text Save the Cowboy to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. For Save the Cowboy, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Stay out of the wire.